Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the place to be. My name is D Wiz, and welcome again. Today, I'm excited to talk to um, one of my mentors again because as we celebrate this year, 2023, the 50th celebration of hip hop, the 50th year of the celebration of hip hop I like I've been speaking to a lot of my mentors a lot of DJs a lot of people when I call them on the phone I'll ask them certain questions Bismarcky God rest his soul is definitely one of the persons that I used to call all the time person that took me record shopping he actually showed me uh, the difference between imports rare uh, rare 12 inches and domestic copies he took me to people like Wolfie in the Bronx he took me introduced me to Sting uh, just one of my mentors and one of the guys that the guy that I'm gonna speak to today is also uh, one of my mentors as well and I want to talk to him and get his point of view on where we are today in the divide of being signed to a major label versus being a totally independent artist and what a totally independent artist means. What does that mean? If you're signed to a major label when it's, I mean, a minor label, an independent label when it's funding you, but you're doing your own promotions, is that still being independent or not? Or is independent using all of your own money promotions? Is it best to do it that way? Or is it best to go with the system? And the reason why I chose this person to speak to is because many, many years ago, um, before we had, we were in this culture where you had to watch things that you would write and say and jokes that you would uh, say and deliver to an audience. We had freedom of speech inside art, especially inside music, where today hip hop lyrics are on trial right now. I live in Atlanta and Young Thug is not too far from me on trial for some of the lyrics that he's written inside uh, inside hip hop. So lyrics inside hip hop today and I'm going to talk to him as well about that and if he were to write today a certain song like that, if he would deliver it the same way he delivered it in the, in the 90s. But right now, let's bring him in. I want to bring in one of my good brothers and mentors, Mr. Bumpy Knuckles, a.k.a. Freddie Fox. How you doing, Mr. Fox? What up, son? It's good, man. I'm doing well, brother. And, uh, you know, I, I always call you and I talk to you and ask you certain questions. And mm -hmm. I'm sure you heard what I was speaking to people about a second ago about your song, Industry Shakedown. Now... Uh, most people are familiar with uh, Tribe Called Quest when Q-Tip said uh, industry rule number 4080, record, record, company, record company businesses are shady. Record business companies are shady. It's a and record company people are shady. Record company people are shady. And I want to address that because you pretty much said the same exact thing in your record. And I'm actually going to read some of the lyrics from it and for those of you that are not familiar with industry shakedown please spotify apple music youtube go and google freddie fox back then uh industry shakedown i kept pressure on him now now i'm universal now he played this money game and called hand reversal i remember i thought that could rock at def jam while I was watching all these niggas caught up in a death scam. Mm -hmm. 
I remember when I stepped up to Lior, I should have blown him. Cause that cracker been a crook ever since I known him. Thought I'd sail to Atlantic. But there's niggas working for them, for them that are synced to the whole label like a fucking Titanic. And then you go on to mention Sylvia Rohn and, and many other things about the industry. And bro, like it's, again, I encourage anyone to go out there. If you want to learn about the record business from start to finish, listen to Industry Shakedown. So Bumpy, tell us about it. What brought you there? And did this bring you flack back then, this record? Yeah, big time. Um, but I didn't really care about that part. And 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 to be honest with you, I've never really had an interaction with Sylvia Rome before. You know what I mean? I just I just knew there were certain names that would get people's attention. You know, Lior, I, I meant what I said about Lior. Like I didn't, you know, I couldn't have said that line in, in this day and time because everybody's head is in a different space. But they knew what I meant when I said it. You know what I mean? And um, I didn't, you know, I just, I, it was my, it was actually me just saying, you know what, let me, let me run into the burning building real quick. So, and everybody, and knock the door down so everybody can go through. Cause I knew it was a wrap from there as far as I was concerned. Cause I said, you know, Q-Tip said his line in a nice way. You know what I mean? That was simple. It wasn't a, I gave him a whole idea. Industry Shakedown was more than just this in the industry, but the title and, and certain songs and the energy that I brought made people think that the whole album was about that, and it wasn't. You know what I mean? Because that it was that it was it was strategically done that way, because I wanted people to take a look at what was going on. You had all of these major labels, you know, in a time when hip hop was kind of just starting to flourish. They didn't understand what the fuck was going on. They just knew people loved it and they wanted to make money. It was a lot of cats that were taking hits financially just to be famous. You know what I mean? And the industry was, a lot of cats was taking advantage of that. And then you had guys that were opening up subsidiary labels after they got jerked by major labels and they were taking that whole blueprint of the major label and doing that to cats that they were signing that was coming off the street. So you thinking you're going to go to a subsidiary a subsidiary label that that is affiliated somehow with a major and be treated different than the majors directly. And it was a total mistake to believe that. Well, you said two things just now um, that caught my attention. You said, um, I knew when I wrote that record, it was a rap. You yeah. referring to it was a rap as far as like being signed to a major label? Oh, oh, absolutely. Okay, so does that also, it was a rap, does that also, do you think, or, or are you referring to being blackballed from hip-hop? Did the DJs support that? You get what I'm saying? Like uh -huh. record label people are different than... The DJs that get the records eventually. How yeah, did that DJs affect you? The DJs was rocking with me, son. The DJs was rock, but but I you nobody could blackball me from hip hop. I don't care who you think you are. I can't be blackballed from hip hop because I don't subscribe to what people think about what I do. You know what I'm saying? Once you subscribe to that, you become a slave to who people who you who people think you are, and who you are is who you are. So I knew that writing that was putting myself out there so other cats and i didn't i did it for partly for that reason but partly because i had gone through that experience you know people telling you you come in the door they like you enough to do business with you but then you get in and they start telling you no you got to do this i know there's a lot of cats now out that's going through that 
but they just don't want to stand up to it because they can get their mother out of the hood or you know what I mean they can they can drive fly cars and, and date different you know grades of women than, than the normal grade of women they would normally get because they got money now but my thing is fuck all that you know what I'm saying who are you as an artist that you're gonna allow people to tell you to be a certain way that that's not art you can't walk up to a a person that's a painter and say, man, no, paint it like this. You can't tell an artist how to draw a line and people can't tell a rapper how to say one. You know, I want I want to put a, a, an exclamation on where uh, Bumpy Knuckles is at for everyone right now because Bumpy is not the only one that has made records about this, that's been talking about this, that's been protesting this. Prince, Rolling Stones, David Bowie. I'm talking about this... This has this goes way beyond hip hop. This goes way beyond hip hop. If you watch, and I'm sure Bump, you watched. Remember the James Brown movie yeah. when uh, the guy said to him, "Hey man, you are the show, and I'm the business." Mm-hmm. And James Brown said to him, "Said nah, I'm the show and the business." Mm-hmm. You know, so this thing about the industry and the people inside the industry has been a, a conversation. Again, it's been for decades, I guess, since the music business has formed to be what the way we know it today, the big billion dollar industry it is. And, you know, as, as I'm telling people this, Bumpy Knuckles is definitely not the first, last or uh, one of the only voices that's been saying this. He's with so many other powerful strong voices that's been talking about the industry now moving forward now you said as well hey i knew it was going to be a rap and you also said look i didn't meet some of these people and i knew it was going to do the you know it was going to have the effect that it was going to have did that have the effect that you anticipated it having um i don't think so i think i think it hit for a minute people got it and then they you know, the, the collectors and the clack, because I was performing Industry Shakedown before I put it out in Europe. I was in Europe with, with Premier and, and touring, and, and before that, I was I was performing that stuff on stage just as, as freestyles. And then when I came to doing the project, you know, I knew what it was going to be, but Europe grabbed a hold of it real, really first, because they already were hip to what I was talking about and what I was doing. I was... You know what I mean? And and when I was out with Gangstar moving around, they knew me for that, you know, those kind of bars. I had more records than that that I put on the album. The original industry shakedown, Pete Rock did the whole thing. Right, right. You know I mean? And then then when I when I when I decided to put it out, I had the I had a bunch of albums. I had a premiere rec a bunch of premiere stuff I did. I had a bunch of um uh Pete Rock stuff. And then I had I met Alchemist on the Smoke and Grooves tour. And he gave me a, he gave me a cassette tape with all these beats on it. And I was like, yo, this dude is nice, man. He was on the back of the bus on, um, with uh, uh, Be Real in them. And he was making beats. And he was like, he gave me this cassette tape. And then I listened to that shit. And I was like, yo, I put him on Industry Shakedown, you know. Um, and then I did, a, I did a joint on there, you know what I mean? And then I had, I did a couple of joints on there. I had MOP on there. I didn't want a lot of collaborations because I didn't want to drag people into what <laughs> this you know thing what you know how people they they you know they they're, they're way i said that in a time where it was it was it was hard to forgive it you know what i'm saying but nowadays if somebody said it they look at it as marketing i think 50 cents was masterful at creating that space when he did how to rob you know he created this space 
where you could say certain things and it still be fun whether you, and you had to figure out how serious he was and with that's like a real piece that's a you, you got to be some kind of creative to do that brother I, he had to listen. That. I just said the fuck what i felt <laughs> you know no but he had to listen to industry shakedown to get that inspiration because as you said what he did was masterful but the blueprint to that with the wordplay and the way he put in the Kurt Franklin's and all these other people, it's the same exact wordplay in Industry Shakedown. And if you're not familiar with these labels or when you said something about electric car, etc., you know, uh, you're not going to get it. And it's just as lyrical and it's just as brilliant. So, and you just brought up 50 Cent about that. Now, <laughs> his... You know, catapulted him and it started a big conversation. People like Kurt Cobain, you know, uh, Nirvana, Green Day, these other artists that came or and bands that came after you and start just like waving his flag, right? Now we're here where we have Spotify, we have Apple Music, you have Tidal Music, and you have these aggregators that help us or help an independent artist that you were speaking to back then get inside uh, my computer, get inside my telephone, where music is today. You know, people don't buy records and CDs. They listen to most in their car, telephone, or whatever. So I would say that these type of conversations led us to where we are today. Are you happy and satisfied where the independence of music is today? Or do you wish, hey, I think it could be a little more uh, regulated for the artists? Um... I, I, you know what I think? I think I think that where we are now, I kind of always hoped for hip hop to be here in a sense of, of that where you don't need a, a record company. But I do think there should be some sort of like the, the the bad part about it is it's like it's it's over flooded with a lot of bullshit. Like it's it's like people are doing they're trying to make everything so easy. You know what I mean? I didn't. I never expected that part. Like I, I thought it was a special thing when a person got on turntables and 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 did that magic. That's that's still there's still a big difference between DJs that that still use a traditional kind of vibe when they play versus cats who just they just accept how easy things are. You know, so I'm not saying everybody should still want to carry crates of records. That's not what I'm saying. But I, but technology wise. I think when you become a slave to 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 technology doing everything for you, then where's the talent in that? You know what I'm saying? You become a nigga who's studying, a motherfucker who's studying how to figure out a program as opposed to learning your chords on your keyboards or your or your bass notes or even how to program your sampler or or chop up a sample and the methods are, are, are becoming too simplified where nobody's thinking anymore. And I'm a big advocate of writing rhymes because it helps you use your brain. It also identifies you as the artist because it's your handwriting. So when it, so when you're dead and gone, that shit becomes a classic piece of work. Like everybody, you know, imagine if Tupac's lyrics were all in his phone. You know what I'm saying? Nobody would have right. these these scribes right now that this brother left us. You know what I mean? The, the letters that he wrote, everything is identifiable. So, you know, but your phone battery died and your whole shit is out the window. Do you, you write know? lyrics in your phone? At all? I write lyrics in, in my phone, and then after I finish, I write them on a piece of paper, and then I store them in a file. I got a file of all my lyrics. My first experience with that, and it was it was weird to me. Um, I was in California with Dougie Fresh, 
finished doing the show. He was with Karis One, and Karis had invited Doug to a, um, a studio session right after the show. So I go with Doug to the studio sh- session. Inside the studio session is Karis One, The Game, Big Daddy Kane, and Dougie Fresh, and they're working on one record. <laughs> Word. Oh. And I'm in this session. And, bro, this is back when iPhones first came out. The game actually said, yo, I just finished my lyrics. And he showed it to me. He was like, yo, look at, you know, here's right here. Here's my verse. And that was just weird to me. It was the oddest thing. I was like, wow, I guess this is where we are or MCs are. Like, they have the technology to write lyrics in their phone as opposed to, oh, yo, who got a pen? Let me get a piece of paper. Let me get a quick piece of paper. And I do come from that era where you guys would say, oh, yo, who got a piece of paper? And you write something down on a napkin or whatever. Um, and that's what I'm asking. It's like, hey, did you ever convert to writing lyrics inside your phone? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you'd be a fool not to take advantage of the convenience. But at the same time, I look at it as, I look at the things that I do as art. So I know that my handwriting and the way that I write my stuff down is the way I do it. And can nobody duplicate that? And as there's certain things that I put on my paper that I know I identifies it as Freddie Fox's original piece of work. So that's the kind of stuff you want to archive. Once you realize that you want to take this game serious enough that you're going to leave something for the for the culture, your family, your kids, your people to, that love you, your fans. I, I think it's bad to leave your fans with nothing other right. than just your records that and now with everybody you know, being able to tell a computer, hey, rap like this motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now you, you know, it's, you got to leave them something, man, that's really yours. You know what I mean? I got a mold of my fist on a, on a mantle with my name and all these things. Like, these things are the things that, you know, my fans, the people who love me are going to say, yo, I want that because that's Bumpy shit. Bumpy gave me that. You know what I mean? Or Bumpy had that. You know what I mean? That's, that's personal. You can't do that in the fucking iPhone or phone notes and shit. You know, Bumpy, the way I see what you just said, and I say this to so many people um, outside of just music and art, a thousand years from now, what you just described will be considered artifacts to Freddie Fox. Yeah, pretty much. You get my point? They'll be considered artifacts a thousand years, two thousand years from now when they're stuttering, studying hip-hop and the the characters, etc. Or just not that, your lineage. You know, you're, as you said, my daughters, etc. I totally encourage people to document anything that they got going on in life. Like you just said, yo, D, I got my fist, a, a mold of my fist. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I totally encourage that. So you just spoke about technology as far as an MC. I also know, and many people know that you also are a producer. How do you feel about technology in the production world? The advancement of going from, as you said, sampling on an MPC to using logic and things of that nature. Do you like technology today? Yeah, I actually embrace technology in that respect because you asked me about like so 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 when I did industry shakedown, right? I I had started to learn and teach myself and 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 just asking a lot of questions in the studio to to engineers on how to produce because I knew I was going to need a way to still keep doing what I love to do knowing that I couldn't go knock on a label door somewhere or there's a lot of cats that was going behind my back that was telling me, oh, that shit you did is fire, but then they'll tell a label person, nah, I don't fuck with him because 
he said this about so and so. They, you know, they was all they was all in their feelings because of me being honest about what I seen. I'm like, yo, this is some bullshit. You can't tell somebody that they signed to a label and they part of a family and then they come to the office and gotta wait downstairs at the front desk. Your, your mom's right, make you yeah. stand on the porch when you go to her house or you can go in. You know what I'm saying? What right, are you doing yeah. here? Like, don't use that word family so loosely now because it's not, it's business. You know, and, and that's the trickology that they use. They they start this family talk and then everybody that you see, tell me how many rappers you done heard claim to be part of a family and then that they, at some point of that, they end up complaining about being robbed or taken advantage of or not to say family don't do that, but it hurts more because you're using that word. Using that word family. And that's when it hurts. You know what I'm saying? You telling me I'm part of something and then all of a sudden y'all motherfuckers gonna make me go get a baseball bat and bust your face in because right. you try to take food out my baby mouth and shit. Like that shit ain't cool. So you, you were know? signed to a major label before Industry Shakedown? I was I was signed to um when when I got out of high school in nineteen eighty five. In eighty six I had a deal on 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 um Atlantic through Nia Records, the Aileen brothers, you know, and that was through, you know, that was through Ulti uh, Fresh Productions, which was a company that I got to, you know, Cat Mellow Rap, my brother Cat. Yes, shout to Cat. Yeah, he put me on to uh, Tony and Ulysses Sankits, who who signed me in Supreme Force to a production deal, and they got us a single deal on Nia Records. Which was which was the Aline brothers. Remember they did release yourself. Yes, release. You know what I'm yes, saying? Right. right. So I've been in Aline. I've been going into these label situations here and there, but you know, the Eric B situation is where I got a, a lot of my insight from. You know what I mean? Eric B used to take me Eric used to take me to meetings with him, right? And he would say, Yo, they would say they would try to tell me to wait outside or something. Eric's like, nah, I want him in there. He's with me. I want him in the room. So he would take me into the meet. I would see these lawyers. That's how I met all these lawyers. And I met all these record executives. And I started seeing a lot of shady shit, man. Like, they'll do it. But, you know, when the money is flying around, ain't nobody asking questions as long as the money's flying around, you know? But I'm a guy that likes to see balance. If we're going to do business and I agree to, I get 25%, you get 75%, then don't steal my quarter. You know what I'm saying? You're going to get yours and steal my quarter? You know, that shit is, you know, that shit will get you fucked up in the street. So I didn't have the balance in my brain to not see it like that. You know what I'm saying? Some right. people say, well, you know, I got to pay my dues. I play. And, and that's I, I can see where that makes sense, where you could take a hit here and there and say, but I didn't come in the game like that, man. We was, you know, I just it just was weird for me. So I'm, I'm good with everything outside of being involved in that shit. So the technology side of it. I, I, I embraced that because I knew I was going to need it 20, 30 years if I wanted to still keep making it. But music. did you see this? Because making a record like that in the 90s, as you said, I knew it was a rap for me, D. I just knew I was going to get support from the industry. I just right. knew it was a rap. Well, when 50 Cent did it, it was 10, 15 years after you did it. And the business had changed by then. Did you see the Spotify's, the Apple Music's, the, did you see this then? You know what? See, the difference between 50, what 50 did and what I did is, when, when 50 did it, a lot of the people that was in charge was close to being his peers. You know, he, you know what I'm saying? 
He had, yes. he under, they understood where he was coming from. These motherfuckers I was coming at, way they wasn't my peers. They were, they was older than me. They wasn't used to this type of shit. They were the ones that were letting us inside the business or not. Of course, and then, and that was the difference. So they they didn't take it the same way. That's like cussing in front of an old lady, and then cussing in front of her her daughter who's younger oh, who boy. understands the streets a little bit more. You know oh, what I mean? Boy. <laughs> Two different situations. So. Yeah, but again, did you see where we are? Did you see this coming? And kinda, if you did, like, what led you to see it? If if kinda, you did, I kind of saw it because a, a dude, old school cat, told me years ago about this. This this. He said, "Yo, there's gonna be this new thing coming out where where you can send somebody a message on a computer, like emails and all of that shit." And I was like. I had to try to teach myself this because I remember when I first got my first Pro Tools system, the shit was a PCI card in the back of a um, Mac Performer, I think it was. The tan Mac computers, and you put the PCI yes, in the uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah. RCA. We called it audio cards back then. Yeah. Audio card type yeah. thing. And I was like, yo, and I was trying to figure out. I, I was angry because I was a plug and play producer. We was pulling wires out of the input, putting them in this put, that, that, that. You know what I mean? And then. Shit started to change, and I was like, yo, this is going to be crazy. So I figured out either I'm going to stop it, it was stressing me out, or I'm going to learn it. Type of dude I am, I needed to know what this was because I wanted I wanted to get good at it. I wanted to be good at you know being able to still make music when everybody else was telling me, oh, man, ain't nobody doing this, and you ain't doing that. Every record I got on, I tried to demolish that shit, bro. I brought the pain on everything, and everybody was looking for that. KRS-One, Gangstar whether it was MOP, whoever, I gave them the best of everything I could give them to make sure that nobody could ever say, well, you know, one thing they can't deny is talent. Right. You're a talented motherfucker. You're going to get recognized. They're going to say, yo, I can't front on him. He's nice. Stay there. Do you really feel that way? Do you think the music business is based on talent? Do you think it's really a meritocracy where the best go to the top? No. I felt that way as a youngster. I don't anymore, bro. Uh, now. I don't feel like that now. I felt like that when with my situation because I knew if I'm going to make all this noise, I better be good at what I do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I'm going to, I'm not going to be one of the niggas that want to be. I don't like being popular for drama and all of that shit. I don't like that shit. I want people to know what it is that I do. You know what I'm saying? But people are going to, they don't, they don't want to hear the real story. They want to hear the best story. You see what I'm saying? So people will say what they say and they'll try to def I always tell people, man, make sure y'all put a put out your, your documentaries and tell your story because when you die, somebody gonna tell it wrong and fuck it up and they're gonna make you out to be who that you know who they want you to be. You know what I'm saying? And this one guy sent me this picture. It's happening right now in real time. Of course. And but and and people are and people are caught up in what people think because of the internet. You know what I'm saying? How many likes is is approval. If people don't you feel like if people don't like what you do, they don't approve of it. That's not necessarily so. You know, some people want to some people see you, but don't want you to know that they're looking. Bump, I'm going to give you an example and everyone example on how what he's saying is so factual if you don't put your own narrative and story out there. So today is two is 2023 and we have this term bump. Watch this. It's called Karen. Oh, you know, such and such is a Karen or whatever. Today, a Karen is the person that gets on your nerves. Mm -hmm. I see it. You know, everybody on online, oh, yeah, this Karen, such and such, this Karen, blah, 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 blah. But the term Karen is only, what, three or four, 
five years old, and it doesn't mean <laughs> just a person that's getting on your nerves. Karen comes from a racist white woman that has a racist white superiority complex to specifically say, I'm going to call the cops and say a black man is attacking me and I know and you know what the cops are going to do to you. That's where the term comes from. So you have to be of that mindset to be Karen. But now it's remixed to where it's just a person that gets on your nerves. And that's really kind of offensive to really be honest with you because people die from that. Let me actually change this. People die. People die. People die from that phone call that that woman, Karen, made. That's not just a person that just gets on your nerves. People die from that phone call. So as Bumpy is talking about when you remix something or you don't put out your own narrative, we see it today in real time. And you also mentioned, uh, you mentioned a lot of things that I actually want to talk about. Actually, from I just went on my little tangent just now. <laughs> like they, they did that with the term woke. I know what you're trying. So basically they did the same thing with the term woke. Right? You know what I mean? They took it and flipped it and made it a bad thing where it was more like, yo, stay woke means to be aware, be on point, you know, stay stay on your game. You know what I mean? Be ready, be, be sharp. You, you want to stay here? We can stay here. How yeah. about this, Bump? You come from a day and time when there was a term called Ebonics. Oh, yeah. Ebony phonics, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it means black talk. Ebony meaning black people, phonics meaning speech, the way black people talk. Yeah. And now, dope, fresh, you know, you got you got shows on HGTV, flip this house, and these are all street terms that comes from ebony phonics. Ebonics and that term bumpy people don't even use that term anymore because we were demonized for using terms like dope and fresh and these terms that are now inside not just American culture that are around the world around the world but when you were using these terms or even the n-word the world is using it just ebonics just that that term alone I don't think would come out of people's mouths because it would actually put the spotlight on them once they start using terms like dope right i think i think i think that the way i look at that is is this the power of hip-hop culture because speak on it you know the, the power of hip-hop culture is that in the beginning you know when, when nobody believed that hip-hop would be anything bigger than you know a fad or a couple of years or you know there's plenty of people who can who can attest to somebody saying to them, oh, don't get too caught up in that because that ain't going to last too long. And the fact that we're able as a culture, and I'm speaking as a culture, broadband from the originators, you know, Herc, Bam, Flash, Mel, Kaz, all them dudes, all the way up to what everybody is calling weird right now, you know, it's still hip hop and it's effective because it, you know, you can't, pick which branch of the tree you like better. You know what I mean? Is you know, it is it's still part of the tree. So it, we've been able to affect cultures across the world. You know, and the that's world. what that's what's so that's what's so sad to me about this 50th anniversary is that 
we still not on the same page. You know, the the, the, the mm-hmm. originators, they this is like a birthday for them. You know what I'm saying? They they they, they know they were there. And then the, the, the new heads don't feel attached because they feel like, you know what, they making it some old head shit. I ain't, you know, I, they don't want to affiliate with nothing older than their parents. You know what I'm saying? Or their grandmother in the sense that, but not in a musical term, but in just in a sense of being attached to something. And the middle ground of, of, of mid-90s and the, the, the middle MCs in the middle of all of that shit, they're stuck between keeping it real with the originators who they study and the new heads who getting all this money and you know, and, and collaborating with everything is it's wrong, man. All this shit is just a big gumbo of fuckery because nobody's talking about music. You know what I mean? Yes. And the music needs to be talked about. You can't ever negate the originators and the music that they made. And to me, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that the new the old heads and the original guys that made this shit can't negate the music that's being made now because it's all part of the same bloodline. So it's just, it may change, but you can't be mad at somebody for doing what their error requires them to do. They, they're coming, they're creative inside of their error, man. We become attached to the times that we live in. We define the times we live in. When those times are gone, all you could do is keep moving in them times and add new shit to it or either fall back and, and, and live in your moment and, and own that shit. If you're an old school motherfucker and you like old school hip hop, then gone? keep making that shit. Because there's still people who want to hear it. There's still people who will play that shit. Just keep making it. Don't let don't let the legacy die with the idea that don't nobody want to sign you or don't nobody want to play your record. Nigga, you on the internet. Right. You can put your record. Yo, you know what I do? I, I know that things that go online will be there long after I'm gone. So I try to make sure that my timeline is filled with things that show people my creative ability and the stuff that I do. People should be conscious of that. Because you fuck around and kick off tomorrow and your your Instagram page is what people need to know about you. Some of the dumb shit that people are focused on and reposting them and, and posting over and all that, that's what you really leave. And this shit becomes your obituary, your, your Facebook page, your, your Instagram page, your Twitter page. So if you're not if you are a 50 something year old rap dude and you ain't showing them. You're going to show them what you showed them, but you're going to leave them what you showed them as well. So keep that in mind, just, you know, so people can see your work, you know, show them, show them the unreleased joints clip. You got a minute. You can control how much of it you give them. You can control how it's seen. Other than the fact that Instagram don't fucking know who these artists really are. Some people post their own shit and get blocked. But those little hurdles, you have to learn how to get over. But at this end of the day, you got to put your catalog or your music out in a strategic way so that when you're gone, it don't look like you just focused on stupid shit on your, on your, on your platform. You know, you're dropping a lot of jewels, and, uh, and, and I want to actually, like, capture one of them that you're dropping. And it's about technology, and you also mentioned about, you're mentioning a lot right now about online. So I know and I'm familiar with there was a time when you had a, we didn't call it a podcast back then, so I'm going to call it a show that was online, and it was called Corrupt Mob Radio. Um, tell us about that. How did you get into streaming online way before we are here today? And I want to actually get into some of the origins of some of these, the first people that did this uh, streaming 
in a hip hop form the way we do today, like Scratch Vision. We right. have we have so many things. So what got you into this streaming online? Um, well, first of all, it started with uh, Maceo, DJ Maceo from Daylife. It started with him doing the dugout, and I was doing a, 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 a broadcast on a on an app. But it wasn't, you couldn't see me. You could only hear me. And I don't even remember what the app was called. It'll come to me. But was it Ustream? No, no, it wasn't Ustream. This was before Ustream. And it was a, it was a little app where they, they, couldn't, they, couldn't see, they couldn't see me, but they could hear me. But me and Macy were always tech talking on the phone, communicating back and forth about how to be better at the marketing game and what we're doing marketing. So he was the one. I saw you tomorrow, right? Yeah, he, he, he did the Daylight Soul dugout. So he asked me to come on and do a show. And that, it took me a minute to do it because he was like, yo, you should do this show. He, he convinced me to do it. And when I did it, I'm like, yo, this is kind of dope, man. And then he discovered Ustream. When he discovered Ustream, he called me and he said, yo, we should do this shit on this platform. And we got, he and I both studied it together he showed me things and i get it and then i dug into it deeper and showed him things and the next thing you know we we got a live stream going up and then he called up evil d and when he called up evil d and showed it to the beat miners they developed their show i don't know if scratch was doing something different i don't think it was you stream but whatever he was doing he was doing something different but we all ended up coming together and they had this thing called bds now, BDS stood for Beat Miners, De La Soul, and Scratch. Okay. Oh, drop right? it. Right? So, now, I didn't have a... I, I was down with, with Maceo, so they didn't put me involved in the in the abbreviations and all that. But I knew that I was going to end up doing my own thing because I had my own show. But I'm not known as a DJ. So, I'm on this platform with all of these amazing DJs. Maceo's a DJ, Scratch is a fucking DJ with a cape on, and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This motherfucker can't fuck with this. I'm like, yeah, how do I do a show that can compete with what these guys are doing? And then the arguments started. Cats started arguing over the time, who's going to go on when, and who, you know, and me and Maceo was doing it, and we was doing whatever we wanted to do. But now we done incorporated all of these other alphas who decide that, you know, listen, I'm everybody start throwing their resumes on the table. Like, yo, dog, I did whoop, whop, whip. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing Wednesdays at 8 o'clock. I'm going on. And it started to become where cats didn't even respect other dudes getting on. It was like, dude be on broadcast. We were supposed to do this together. Dude get on broadcasting. And next thing you know, he don't want, you know, I don't want to be on the same time as Scratch because it splits the audience. You see what I'm saying? And when that started happening, it was it was a wrap. You know what I mean? It was like, but it was a great idea. And I'm not a DJ. So I had to figure out a way. How do I? I mean, I know how to DJ, but I'm technically not a DJ. Like So up until now, these DJs are DJing records. They're DJing, yep. right? It's just no, I, it's, it's like listening to a, a radio station. They had their own mix shows. Yeah, it was mix shows, but they were they were playing like, you know, like Beat Miners had a really dope show. It was it was right there. All of their setups. You could see their turntables. You could see they want you to see them DJing. That's what these dudes do. They do. They get on and they they put the camera on the turntables. You see all of this shit going on and they really playing, like really playing. I was really playing, but I didn't want people to see that. I wanted people to see the dynamic of my personality on air 
So I didn't want to show them what I was doing. But everybody who came for my interviews, whether it was John Cena or Sway or you or whoever, y'all saw me actually doing it. You Wait, know but I'm you're saying? going but too fast. Wait, don't go there f so fast. <laughs> because nope. in the beginning, like you said, you had DJs. You're like, yo, D, I'm not a DJ, so I had to figure out a way to make my thing what it is. Yeah. And the reason why I don't want you to go too fast is because what everyone's doing today is what you were doing yeah. then not being a DJ. So how do we get there? Because you start it's the talking thing that you start getting into when these yeah. guys were DJing. Yeah. I wanted to be I wanted to, I had to I had to figure out how do I make this funny hip hop? How do I make it um how do I make it you know, cool for people to come in a space, and and I started I started bigging up the fans. Like I said, I made it about the people in the chat room, so we became a family. It was like the corrupt mob family. You guys I, had a I, chat room back then. Yeah, they had a chat room, and I would say these are my moderators. I would put certain people in in in, in place to moderate for me, which showed that I trusted them. You know what I'm saying? Because moderators could do all kind of shit. They could kick everybody out. They could they was watching my back, so to speak. While back I was then. While I, yeah, while I was in there basically playing the music, doing the drops, you know, um, um, add all the lights and the smoke machines and all this shit and, and doing controlling the computer with the split screening and all of the stuff that I was doing one by myself. Sway was bugging. He was like, yo, that's crazy. Clark Kent was there. Yeah, I want to know what, what, who would you see? Who was your inspiration? D, I had two screens. I had the fog machine. I had the lights. Like, come on. Where did this come from, Bumpy, at that time? How many it, years are we talking about now? Yeah, that Back. was, man, that was a long time. What was it? 04, 03, 04, 05, something like that. 04, 05. Um, You're describing the, drink champs today. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about inspiration i think it was more me just trying to be as good as the rest of those guys was because i wasn't showing i'm like i, I can dj I'm, I'm gonna give it a hundred i can play records i can blend records but when it comes to all of that fancy shit them dudes be doing man these guys are, are, are iconic for that yeah you know what i mean top night djs so, with you yeah absolutely yeah so and i had to learn how to dj because there was times when i had to get scratches done and i would do my own scratches you know what I'm saying? So I wanted to be, if I'm going, I learned every element of hip hop, you know, the drawing, the, the right. graph part, you know, the break dancing part I did early, early, early in my career, like early in my life, rather. I was a young cat out there breaking and stuff. And then I was, I learned the MC part, of course, and then the DJing part, of course, you know, and then, you know, everything else that comes along with it. I wanted to know the culture. So I had to learn how to play. Now, saying that, I respect Scratch, Maceo, and the Beat Miners to a degree that I would never want to try to put myself on that level because that's not what I do. But this is what I do. So I wanted to show them different. All of their shows had some sort of a similarity. It may not have looked the same, but they all play in records with a turntable showing and all that. I just had to switch it up and choose something different. And that's what my inspiration was. Don't do the same shit somebody else is doing. And even to that day, I, I do, I'm like that. I don't, I don't want to be looked at. You know, people out here will call themselves legends for doing what another person did the same way they did it. Say that again. Yeah, I heard what you said. Yeah, say right? it again. Nigga say, yo, I'm a legend, dog. And, and you, you know, it's, it's something that you did. This, the same thing somebody else did the same way they did it. 
you didn't really create nothing new. People, you just probably had some spark that that person didn't have, and you got more money getting doing it. But you know, to me, the individuality of a person and their their ability to stand out from the crowd and and still get the look is what's you know what's special. Everybody can. It's so many dudes that can rhyme, fam. Like I mean, right. there's guys that know how to take words and put them together spectacularly and get on a beat, sound great. But they don't have they nothing special about them. They just know how to rhyme. Right. And and instead Great. of instead of being accepted as, you know, they'll tell you I'm I'm a legend, nigga. I'm you know, I'm the greatest. I'm the they forcing you to believe this and their talent is 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 basically pretty good. But there's not there's so you know the special cats, man. You know, know the that. cats. You know the cats who touch the turntables. Now you got everybody in their mama could DJ, but you right. know the cats that are walking the room. You know, the Kid Capris and the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, the, and the DJ Scratches and the Clark Premiers Kids. and the Peets yeah. and the, you know, and, and, and the, and the, and the Jazz, Terry Jeffs. Hunters. You know what I'm saying? Those cats, the cats that come in the room and you go, the Jazzy Jeffs. And yeah. I'm not saying that because these guys may be famous. You know what I mean? But it's just a, what got them to that point is there's something special about something that the same thing you do that they do. It's just something special about them doing it. Those are the guys that you know have the, the ability to say, yo, man, this dude is captivating. You know what I mean? That's the reason why I called what you were doing back then, we'll call it back on Ustream, a show. Because, you know, it wasn't just music-based. As you said, you had comedy in it. You had skits in it. You had callers in it. You had a chat room uh, back then when it was Ustream. And I've seen people speak on some of the early development stages of streaming and hip-hop and podcasting and where we are today you have the math hoffas and the joe buttons and as i watch them i say to myself where there was always like a foundation of where a lot of this stuff started during the pandemic um it got really popular uh, why did you choose not to get back involved with it because you were way light years ahead of it why didn't you get in you know bring the corrupt mob radio streaming podcast back I because i think it's it's it, it was a moment you know what i mean and, and and the good thing is i recorded the shows so i have all of the shows recorded or the video and audio the shows i have them all recorded we did we did one network with different shows dj shannon miss parker 411 we did um prince paul and, and his and his son had had a show on 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 our network um who else was on? DJ Hard Hitting Harry was on there. Like all of these people that I was putting on, I, w I was doing it like a network. And it was about music. Every single show that came on was about music. It was We added our personalities around the music. Nowadays with podcasts is really all just talking and, 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 and a platform of, um, you know, just dialogue between people talking about their histories and all that stuff. They talk about the music, but people got a chance to hear exclusives. You know what I mean? They got a chance to hear like, like songs that like I was playing Brown Bag All Stars early, and people like yeah. you know they 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 weren't really up on it. But I was trying to I was getting music from all different DJs, and people were sending me stuff. We were doing make it and break it's and all of that stuff. Same kind of format other shows may have done, but in a different way. And then it was a moment, bro. Yeah. And I, I right now to do that would probably be cool, but I have all the shows recorded, you know. I want to jump right in. There's, as you're saying this, man, you're saying this, it's making me think because 
there are trailblazers and there are people that really are the term this person was ahead of his time this person was ahead of their time that i think that term is is just misused and it's used way too much and i'll give you an example of someone that's ahead of their time the guy i'm talking to right now we started out this conversation <clears throat> with me talking about the song industry shakedown and him speaking about he said hey d I knew when I called out all these people, I knew my my relationship with the business was a wrap. I knew that, and I knew I was going to have to do something else. 20, 30 years later, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, uh, TuneCore, etc. You have all of these other platforms to help get this here. Let's go back 10 15 years ago, when you had Corrupt Mob Radio, uh, which was a show, a show, not a podcast, as you said. Now, I know, because I was one of the guests on as well, you had a person like, God rest his soul, uh, Father Marv, where you, you brought in comedy. You know, I remember there was a show that you did uh, with your wife at the time, when was one of your biggest, I think, rated shows, and then she eventually go and have her own podcast on your platform as well yeah her own yeah, show as yeah. well right yeah yeah she um she 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 learned it like it was amazing because i taught her how to dj you know she was managing grandmaster flash but we originally set it up for flash to do it and when we set it up for flash to do it he never did it so i told her i said yo go get the um the password for his account and just jump on my set and I showed her how to DJ and I saw it in her personality. So what I did was I put her on the show with me first and we, we I let her get comfortable on camera and boy, once that happened, <laughs> <laughs> she had more followers than me for sure. But you know, you expect that because people with, with that magnetic personality and that ability to reel people in because they have good conversation they talking about facts, they doing their research, they're not just jaw jabbing about shit they don't really know. Right. You're gonna always those people are always gonna have a draw. You know what I mean? Yep. So it was it was a great thing. And then to be able to do that, like Shannon, the whole corrupt mob radio thing was Shannon's idea. It wasn't even my idea. DJ Shannon came to me and said, Bump, I'm gonna start corrupt mob radio for you. And I was like, What is that? He was like, he started telling me about doing the, the broadcast corrupt my radio so when i was doing the dugout shannon was doing corrupt my radio on on you know like kind of setting it up he was just playing so it really was him who sparked it in me to do it you know all the way out the gate man you know you know shannon shannon is is about that music he absolutely he became the guy who researches any music i ever needed man shannon was keeping me flooded you know, as you're talking about that, I want to go straight to there. You mentioned two people that uh, I know personally, Cat Miller Rap and DJ Shannon. And a lot of people, a lot of times when I'll talk to celebrities or people that are well-known that are celebrated, um, they don't speak and mention those unsung names. You know, that you, they just don't. They don't mention those unsung names that are not celebrated, that are not in... Source magazine that are not that don't have fifteen thousand followers on Instagram. So you obviously, like myself, I always put out there. You have a, a team of people that keep you grounded and that motivate you as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, my man Flip from Maplewood. Come on, man, Flip, Cap, Shannon. You know what I mean, Ra Ra. You know my Rondu. All my people are still my people. You know what I mean. Um, 
everybody that that's close to me knows me. They know me well, man. I, I still have guys that I call and and talk to, and they and they and they from the hood. They from the from the soil. You know what I mean? They still from the from they day ones. We call. I just seen Delmas. Right. Yeah, doing. I seen I seen Delmas down. Oh, there. I saw the picture with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it. And, and it was <laughs> crazy Facebook. because he's a day one for me. Like I've known this guy since we were in Grand Street. I think it was Grand and when Street. And I saw it, I thought that too. Yeah. And, and like, it was wow. like we were kids, man, from Westbury. Like just, just vibing. And I and I always treat my day ones like that. I remember I remember one time being with John Cena, right, and. John, me and John Cena was at a Best Buy on Old Country Road, and I seen um, Dan, what's my man name from Westbury with his son online, and he was at the back of the line. And when I seen him, he said, "Oh shoot, Fox, what up?" And I said, "Yo, what you doing?" He said, "I'm online. My son gonna get an autograph." And I took him. I picked up his son, and I told him, "Come with." I took him all the way to the front of the line. And they got a picture with John Cena, and they did all of that stuff, man. And the, and the cat always remembered that, you know, which was cool, you know what I mean? And, right. And, you know, those type of things. I don't. I, I'm not. I've never been into the celebrity thing, though, bro. I'm gonna be honest with you. I've never been a fan of the whole big me, little you thing. I think that's whack to me because it was, you know, it's it's kind of natural to say that somebody's talented, you know what I mean? But if yeah. we're gonna treat people different based on that. Then there's people that ain't in the music business that should be treated like that. Like I, I, I think I got uncomfortable with it when I went into a store one time, and I had the money to buy what I wanted, and the guy wanted to give it to me free, but he was making everybody else pay. How do you like, deal yeah. with that? Yeah, how do you? I didn't like that shit, man. So I kind of wanted to detach myself from the whole celebrity thing. Like I'm not a big fan of, you know. I mean, people tr may treat me like that in some places I go, or if I do so, I don't do a lot of shows and stuff. But when I do, it's a show up, and then you know, I do the talk. I talk to people. I kick it. I don't like the whole celebrity thing. I'm not a fan of that shit. Because, I saw because what? You know, it just it just makes you feel detached. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to feel. Like, I want to be able to have. I want to be able to have a conversation with somebody on on that on a level that's just normal like not feeling like we always talking about i just can't see myself always looking up at somebody else's accomplishments and not focusing on my own as well so you know what i'm saying it just there's no balance there for me you know what i mean i want to be a man you know what you what you, what you doing what's up with you homie what's good man right. think cool basic conversation you know we talk about food we talk about music we talk about sports whatever it is just it ain't got to be me being bigger than you you know what I mean? You a human being. I'm a human being. We all got a date. You know so, I mean? so that being said, has your reputation in the hip hop, uh, in the hip hop community, that's something that you've never really embraced. You know, this bad boy, big, you know, bully reputation. You've never embraced that, have you? Not, nah, not really. Because when people meet me, they say, "Yo, you, you, you Fox is cool as hell. You know, he's a cool dude." But my, my rhyming. People get caught up in that because I'm a passionate MC. So <laughs> passionate. passionate, scary, <laughs> very passionate MC, bro. So if the music, you know, you ever listen to my songs, you'll say, "Yo, listen to me over Premier, right?" And then you listen to me over Pete, and then you listen to me over Alchemist, you listen to me over Static Selector, you listen to me over Clark Kent, you listen to me over Scratch, you listen to me over Beat Miners, you listen to me over my own stuff, you listen to me over Knots. Everything is different. 
all of it's different. Everything is the, the because everybody don't give you if you attach yourself to the to the to the vibe of the beat that you get. And some cats be so in the rush to rhyme right. that they forget to do the one key thing that everybody in this business should be doing is listening. This is a listening business. If you sit down and you listen to the track, you know how many times I produce cats, man, and I got to tell them, dog, you're not even rhyming on the beat. What are you talking about? And they go, yo, I have to move their vocals or fix this stuff. I, I like mixing people's records for them. I'll produce for anybody that I think should be on the track. But I'm always going to tell you something that you, you could fix better or do better because that what I, that's what I feel is, is, a, is, a, is a gift that I have. I, my experience is somebody else's gift. You know do you what I'm like saying? That? What do you like better, being an artist as writing your own records or producing and helping other artists? As you said, hey, I love mixing people's stuff and, and improving it. What do you like better? I like it all, man. It's all part of the bubble. You know what I mean? Like, like to be able to do it what and an know what answer. I'm talking about, it's to be able to thing. do it and know what I'm talking about is such a blessing for me, bro. To be able to say, somebody say to me, yo, Bump, man, um, would you do my record? And I'm like, yeah. So I'm, I'll tell them, I got a couple of things I need to say. Number one, I'll do your record, but I got to write it when I feel it, when it hit me. I don't try to tell me about your last, you are, you are on your last song and you want to rush me and all that. Don't think you're going to overwork me with a free verse, a video, and then you want me to use my whole platform to promote your record and you don't have a marketing plan. So you don't have a budget, you don't have a marketing plan. I, 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 gave, I want people to have some kind of accountability when they come to an artist Word. like an AG, an OC, Yes. Or any of these guys that are legendary 90s spitters or whatever spitter you come at, have your shit together because I know me. I'm, I'll say, okay, I'll do the record, but until I see you, you, you got a publishing company because I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. If I register this record at 100% now, don't call me later when you finally decide you got a publishing company and you want to tell me you want the, because I'm not going to unregister anything. Right. So if you ain't ready when it's time to go, Either we don't do the record or we do the record and you gonna just it's gonna be a piece of promotion for you. So people need to have their shit together. You know what I mean? And I, I kind of I like all of it because it's class. It's 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 mind frame. Class is open. Come on in. You know what I mean? What nature a great the man is called human nature. To follow that nature is called the way. You know what I mean? So that's what I'm telling you is is if you listen to the lyrics and, and, and people stop being so judgmental on everything, you should listen to the lyrics of MCs that really know. I love X-Clan, bro. Why? Because they did their own thing in a time when it was needed and, and, and still is needed. But as it started to fade, they never switched up. They still was X-Clan to me. You know what I mean? I never even said to anybody before that I love X-Clan. I loved X-Clan. You know, I remember when I when I would, we was in that moment of of, of black power and change right. and, and black, red, black, and green Africa pendants on. And I remember that time. That was an era that we came through. Right. You know what I mean? And as we come through these eras, you have to take what you have with, that you want to take with you into the next era and use that and then get what you, it's a, it's a stockpile of wisdom, experiences, and that shit has to articulate through your music. Agreed. So, you know, you, you can't be in the back in, 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 in a back through from back in the days and you want to rap like you back in the days but then you want to try to do it you have to make it work there's a way to make it work you know what i mean i did a song with wayne ski called can i mc and he was cutting uh i think it was frisco disco or whatever he was cutting it back and forth and i was rapping in an old style that i used to do 
back in the park. But that was because I wanted to show people that you don't have to actually let that go. You can, you don't have to do all of this switching up. Just keep your shit authentic, man. And don't let nobody tell you what your art form is. It's your art form. Stop asking people, yo, what do you think it is? What do you think of that? No, fuck that, nigga. Yo, this is what I did. This is how I did it. Check this out. Hope you like it. Period. And keep it moving. Because when you start asking people for their opinion, you become a slave to their answers. One person mentioned... don't like your shit. Everybody's mad. Oh, it's a rap. He's the hater on the page because he don't like the shit. But you asked him. <laughs> a second ago, you just mentioned uh, X-Clan. During the X-Clan era, like you said, during that Black Pride era and when you had conscious rap, you were affiliated with a big, big, big group that was at that time was doing some of the same things, but had more of the street element to it. Boogie Down Productions and yeah. KRS-One, you've done records with them. I've seen you perform with them. How did that come to be? How did you get... Were you ever a BDP member or just an affiliate? Um, What I did was... Chris came and found me and he said, yo, I want I want this. He wanted me on rough, rough. And he, and we went in the studio. He took me in the studio. I was, I was downtown running crazy. And he came and found me and said, yo, man, I got to get you in the studio. And he pulled up on me, man. And I, and I, it's in my documentary. He tells it in my documentary in more detail. So he, he pulls up on me. I was in the Rolls Royce. You know, and he Eric B Eric B was on tour. He said, "Bump man, yeah, take the keys, man." I said, "I'm I'm I'm gonna go downtown and get me some money." And I took the Rolls Royce and, <laughs> and I went downtown and I started grinding. Holy smoke! Yeah, so that is true. Yeah. I used to see you in Westbury driving around with that, and people would say, "Yo, that's Eric B. He's a Rock Kim's," and it was just like a Westbury, like you know, myth or legend or whatever. That's true. Like yeah. I would yeah. see you driving around with that yeah. whip, and they would yeah. say that. Yeah. But go yeah. ahead. Eric, you know, I didn't go on the road with them, man. And Eric was like, Eric was like, "Yo, I, I, I was like, you know, I was trying to get my money up." So, he, and I'm, I'm, I'm humble enough to say that Eric was one of the guys who. Who was like always there for me, man? So he he threw me the keys and I did my thing. And then KRS came and found me and took me to the studio and he, and we did um, Rough Rough in the original way. And he and I ended up bonding because you know two good MCs, man, just in in, in the room rocking together. And I always loved KRS when I still do to this day because he gave me a lot of opportunity. He would bring me out on stage, man, and I would just smash every time. I would body every time he brought me out. It was always a, 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 a one of the highlights of his shows. He would bring me out as a highlight all the time, and it was I mean from the time we did it on 125th Street outside when D Nice was DJing to to the clubs where he would pull up. Chris not was not really a dude for sound check, so he would pull up and everything. Once the once it was going, it was go. And why do you and Karis one? Why you and Chris bond so? Is it because you guys the way you see hip hop? I think so. And I think because he was he was actually exposing me to a raw crowd of people who really love raw MCs. And when I did when I did um when I did Rough Rough, it was it was two rhymes I did, right? So I went to the studio and I'm thinking, okay, I gotta go to the studio to do the song with this guy. He be talking all this black power shit. I gotta go do oh, this. I gotta get, get on my to black it. power mode, right? So I get in the studio and I write this rhyme. That was based around what my idea of what KRS-One was, and I was talking. It was a dope rhyme, and when I laid it, I sat down and he said, "He said, yeah, that's a dope rhyme, but that ain't who I'm looking for." 
And I was like, he said, I want the guy that everybody's talking about. And everybody was talking about me from yeah. Flavor Union, Hot Potato. That was the buzz. It's like, yo, the way he just came in and boom and smashed the shit. That's where the shit started from. When he, he said, I want that guy right there. So I said, okay, cool. And then I went back in the booth and I had this, I had some rhymes in my head and some rhymes that I wrote because I brought my books with me. So I turned, I put a few things together. They gave me a few minutes and I spit the, I spit the um, hot potato. I mean, um, the rough, rough verse. Okay, yeah. stay there. Cause that, that was the, that was the beginning right there. Now that I got you here, I'm going to ask a question for a lot of people that have heard that record and were fans at that time. <laughs> and I'm asking this for my man Malcolm, for my boy Chauncey, and for myself, D-Wiz. So there's a line in that record. All right, Karis One, as we know who he is. Back then, he used to speak up against uh, pimps and hoes and stuff like that. <laughs> okay? And there's a line... At the end of what of, of one of his verses, he says he disrespects them, yo. And we know we're not down with pimps and hoes and da 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 da. <laughs> yo, bump, you came right behind him <laughs> and said, <laughs> "Well, you know I like hoes." <laughs> the king, the king of be yourself, though. You know what I'm saying? Like if, if that don't tell you that being yourself is okay. You know what I'm saying? It's all good. You got to do what you do. You know what I mean? I'm, I wasn't going to let KRS-One or anybody else make me be anything other than do or do other than what I do. And they never tried to. Nobody has ever asked me to change my rhyme. Nobody's ever. I've never complained about any beat that I ever got on. Some of this shit I probably never would have picked as an MC to rap on. But I'm not from the era of time of where you get the luxury to pick a beat. You know what I'm saying? Some of these guys now hit you up and ask you, they'll they'll go picking through your beats like they got hit records or something. And I was like, nah, dog, I come from the park. I'm in the park with 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 with, with Rock him and, right. and 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 the Love Brothers and and and, and Supreme Force and and Superstar and Ramel and Salam. I'm in the I'm in the park with real Bismarcky. I'm in I come from the park with real and these dudes were better than me a lot of them. So I was I was a cat that was on the come up. I had my shit was about getting better at time. I, I was able to really access information that made me a better artist over time. So my journey was a climb. So when I got to the KRS one level, I was ready, man. Because of them niggas in the park. I was ready for that. I was ready for Chris. I was I was ready to be on the same record with him, to rock with him. He's an amazing MC. He puts a lot of pressure on you when you rock with him. A lot of pressure. Anybody who ever did a song with KRS-One that said they didn't feel pressure is lying. He, they're lying because he's that good. He's that good. And, and it's not always about what he says, but how he says it and the confidence in which he says it can overshine any flow if you don't know what you're doing. If you're not a standout MC, be careful who you jump on songs with. This cats who always call me, yo, man, would you do a song with me? I'm like, yeah. And then I'll hear them and I'll be like, all right, let me tone it down. I won't not do the record, but I'll tone it down. Right. You know what I'm saying? And not because they're not good, but that's the level that they're spitting on. I, sometimes you gotta, or you just overshine people with 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 energy, and people start picking the oh that second verse, fuck the first verse. That's then the record is no good now. Word. You know what I'm saying? 
now I, I know you make beats and we're talk we're here in this hip hop this 90s era. I want to ask you some questions bump that uh some like uncomfortable questions brother. <laughs> Pete Rock or Premier? You mean between the two as a producer? I can't I can't answer that. I I can tell you this. I know why I love both of them, but I can't pick one over the other because they both I work with both of them. And I my, know. my experiences with Premier are different from the ones with Pete. And because Pete brings out something in me that's so soulful, man. Like Pete makes me dig into my blackness. Mm. And 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 his music is 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 lineage is a Jamaican lineage. So his bass lines say something to me different. That industry shakedown bass line, bro, is so incredible that I couldn't have said anything else on that record, man. The way he and he and and the dope shit about Pete is you never know when his production is gonna actually surface because he's all he's gonna build on that record till it's finished. Premier was experience was Premier brought a side of me out that was just really raw and 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 unapologetic. You know what I mean? Like 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 I I I could get I could get on Premier's music, man. And my lyrics just start flowing from somewhere that just deep, you know what I mean? And then he's the first producer that ever said to me, bump, that line right there, you could say that, say that a little bit less aggressive. He's the oh, first wow. producer that Premier. started giving me direction in the booth. You know, never, never, to, I've never been asked to change a lyric. I've always said stuff that people were good with, but Premier was the one who said, you know, and then what I took from that was I make my adjustments with one producer. It teaches me how to make adjustments with other producers as well. You know what I mean? Because every producers have to be able to produce. When, when you tell somebody that they're going to produce you, now you guys got to open up your ears and listen to somebody who's sitting on the other side of that glass that's creating a piece of art that you're a part of. But that's the maestro. So you can't, some guys don't want to listen to a producer. They just want to tell a producer, yo, they don't even use producers. They just use engineers. Producers have been minimized to make the beat. Yeah, make the beat. Well, they call beat makers. Those aren't producers. Those yeah, are they makers. say, oh, yeah, well, the producer made the beat. They call them a producer. But producers do a lot more than that. You know, that sound that's being developed, they're, they're articulating that sound. I need, mean, you know, they're messing with knobs. With the, the engineers, just, just like the pilot. But then there's a person that's saying, yo, you have to make it sound like this or they're either doing it themselves like a Dr. Dre or a Timbaland or, or, or a Swiss Beats or one of them who actually get in there and turn knobs themselves. There's, you know, guys like um, uh, Just Blaze and guys like that. Those producers and guys like that, they 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 hear shit as an MC is doing it. And you have to be able to take direction as an MC, as an artist. You know, if you don't, if you ain't coming with it automatic then you got to allow somebody to direct you to the right path on their music because it's a marriage now. You're in business together. So that's his position. Yours as an artist is to do you. Do what you do. Get your vocals down. And then Tupac out. B. You know, Pete Rock, um, from my experience, in my opinion, during that time in that mid-90s, early mid-90s area, he was the producer for me as a musician specifically. And you mentioned something critical about his music. Bass lines. Um, when I would hear his filtered bass lines that he would bring through the SP-1200. Now, I'll be honest with you, Bump. You know, for me as a musician, uh, I was never really attracted 
to the production end of hip-hop. Um, Larry Smith is pretty much, and like Davey D, Herbie Lovebugs, those guys are the guys that I really gravitated towards in the late 80s and the early 90s. But when Pete Rock came out, I could tell he wasn't maybe necessarily a musician that understood music theory, but he understood music, you know, like yourself. Like, he underst- I, could, he, I could hear, like you said earlier in this conversation, yo, D-Man, you can hear talent when you, you know, you can hear it. It's mm-hmm. obvious. It's, it's notable. It's very obvious. And when I first started hearing it, brother, like, they reminisce over you. I think I've listened to the instrumental of that more times in my life than I've listened to the record with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Because of the instrumental, because it's so, from the the way the, the intro goes before the horns come in, and bro, if if you're not a fan of that, then I don't understand what you're a fan of when it comes to hip-hop production. I'm gonna bring another producer into this conversation that in my opinion, he is Pete Rock's rivalry, but not rivalry, but competition more than Premier is, and that's Large Professor. Um, how do you feel about Large Professor? His bass lines, to me, were that was the Pete Rock uh, twin mm-hmm. instead of Premier. First collaboration I ever did was uh, G-Rap. Eric B's brother, Ant Live, put me on um, in the studio with G-Rap to do Money in the Bank. Large Professor did the beat for it. Um, I knew then that he was talented. You know what I mean? I I never I haven't done anything else with him, but I always wanted to do more with him. But he's he's because he's he really studies the art. Jeez. Form. Like he's a he's a master at the art form, and a lot of times, got people like him because he rhymes, and he and he'll get on stage and rap and all that. Sometimes people will forget how talented he, he is. Did the beat. As, as a producer, you know Jeez. what I mean? He's a serious guy on the production side. He's dope, very dope. I love Log Professor. I love, and and for me, as you know, you see my drums in the background, and you know, I know you're, you pay attention. We're gonna go into a little, little nerdy part of music conversation right now. I know you pay attention really hard to drums and drum sounds. Oh. Um, Large Professor and Pete Rock, during that time, they had that, Similar thing. I heard Large Professor do it first, you know, when he would take the snare drum and put it on the one. I heard him do it first. And he does it clean because when he does it, he takes the bass drum away and it's just pure snare drum and it sounds so much more accented when he does it. Mm -hmm. I start here, Pete Rock doing it later on and like, you know, they reminisce over you and that incredible remix he did to. A uh, House of Pain, um, the Jump Around uh, mm-hmm. remix. But Pete has mastered the horns, in my opinion, where Large Professor didn't really pay attention to them so much. He is a bass line and a drum groove person. I personally bump, whenever this conversation comes up about producers of that era, Large Professor is my number one. Do you remember that Slick Rick remix he did for It's a Boy? Yeah, yeah, he killed that shit. But but see, my first experience with underground boom bap wasn't premiere. It was it was Lord Finesse, and and digging in the crates. So that's my you know when I when I was in when I was going when I was doing crazy like a fox, 
I was in the studio with Finesse, Showbiz, and Buck Wild, and Big L. And Big L wasn't in there doing nothing but getting on my damn nerves and, and <laughs> <laughs> acting, acting like a acting like a, 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 a little brother who wanted who wanted to pick pick at motherfuckers. But he was a, he was a sweetheart. He was a good dude. Yeah. And he was he was in there. That's hilarious. He was in there giving off this energy that made me because he'll say L would say some shit like. Yeah, that rhyme is cool. I was like, who is this little nigga? <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> Yo, and, then, and then and then he'll laugh and he'll he'll love your shit, but he'll just fuck with you. Like and and not and those guys became family for me around that time, especially because Ness was bringing me out of a a, a horrible situation that I'd had with my first album, and I was like, man, then I, you know, I, that was my first stump, and I'm like, okay, now I gotta. You know, I had to pull away for a little while to try to do, establish myself on my own. And Finesse was the one who said, yo, and I was in this house, man, watching this guy with this SP-1200 and this 950. And I was like, yo, his sound is bananas. And Lord then, Finesse, like lyrical, like the cat that we Lord were all like, Finesse. this cat Lord is the most Finesse. underrated lyrical dude of our time. Dog, he was Lord still in the beats then. Lord Finesse is is. Listen, man. I said a line in one in, in, in forty five dawn. I birth a style like finesse. Birth L. Metaphors turn the better eights work well because Law Finesse is like him and Showbiz and Buckwow and Diamond D. Like before before you get into talk about underground to anybody, you got to mention digging in the crates. I'm just saying this off the top because some of the best lyricists, all of them dudes are somebody. All of them are somebody in this culture, man. And Fat Beats was built on the backs of digging in the crates. I don't care what nobody said. I'll say that shit publicly. Wait, Fat Beats, the record store? Yeah, man. Law Finesse put me on, and everybody that was, a lot of cats that was going there got put on because Law Finesse and them guys was figuring out before all of these indie talking shit was going on. They was figuring out how to do this without labels. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, like straight up real street music from the Bronx. Boom bap 90s shit. That was God damn. So Diamond D, yeah, whoof. Yeah, you're there. <laughs> Diamond D, you don't, don't yo dog, you know, I would be that's one guy. He did he did um Bumpy Bring It Home. And I had never heard that version of the sample before. But Diamond D is a is a is an amazing brain. That dude thinks and then none of them sound the same. Finesse don't sound like Showbiz. Showbiz don't sound like Buck, and Buck don't sound like Diamond. Right. They if you if you can't with one of them you could get a whole album done. But imagine having all of them, or or you know what I'm saying? Like I've been working with these guys. These guys were another guys who used to take me around and, and yo bump man, we got a show. They would bring me out to rock, highlight me on their sets. You know what I mean? So. That's the camaraderie that the '90s MCs had at one time. You know what I mean? You could before all of the fake handshaking and bowing and kissing hands shit started. Right. You know, these dudes—it was dudes that was really genuine with each other. You know what I'm saying? And I got those guys are still my friends to this day. And and I believe that if that's that strong strength and bond keeps us making music together, because I learned from them. I learned how to do independent records before Industry Shakedown. I learned independence from Law Finesse. It took a while for me to get to Industry Shakedown. 
You know what I mean? I had I was uh-huh. I would I was blackballed way before industry shakedown. <laughs> that was a I was blackballed way before. Industry I was making shakedown. noise, D. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the king of that shit. I was born black and bald. I'm still black and bald. <laughs> you know I'm, I'm still I, black I gotta, and bald. I, I gotta own that. You know what I mean? And I'm good with it. And my thing is all that canceled talk and blackballing right. and all that. That only matters if I need you. Right. If I don't need you, dog, then you take that title and you know kick rocks. You know what I'm saying? But right. at the end of it all, those guys, man, and, the, and guys like Clark Kent, you know, Clark Kent, I used to go to Clark Kent house, bro, and he would sit in the studio with me, right? And I would look at him producing records and making, you talk about a technical genius, people don't talk about Clark Kent enough because he's so incredibly talented as a producer. I got Clark Kent records that I never released. Really? Yeah. I mean, some sick shit, bro. I used to perform, one of them was for Industry Shakedown, and I was gonna put it on there, but then I pulled it back. I was doing this record in in um in Europe. Um, Premier would give me a set. He would say, "Yo, bump." After Guru do this record, you after we finish the militia, you rock three songs. And I was like, "All right, cool." And he would take you know through. And one of them was a Clark Kent record that I have that was for Industry Shakedown. And um, I, I I don't know why I held it back, but I'm glad I did because it's 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 a classic piece of work. I might put a, a snippet of it on my Instagram one day with a picture of him, man. I got a picture of me and him. I have a question about that. Like, why do you guys? Why do you guys hold on to material? Because it's like wine, bro. Like, imagine if I threw all my shit out there right now, man. With all this people just taking stuff and putting it up and using it and and, and bastardizing everything that you do, something has to be sacred with your artwork and if you and it's a form of protection where you you have to monitor how you release things because just throwing just throwing everything out to the fire it don't work like that because you if you can't make your work work for you if you can't make your music work for you if you can't make your art work for you then it's going to be working for somebody else you know what i mean and at some point it's going to be working for somebody else anyway so you got to try to be as careful as you can about how you release your records when you release your records the format in which you do it. A lot of cats don't realize, man. You know, back in the days when we wanted album covers, we went to art guys. Yeah. You know, like was it Say Say I? Is it Say I? Jamaica Avenue. Yeah, I mean, we Say was at Say was at Def Jam. What was you know, the name? They used to do all the D- DJs covers. Yo, we would go to we would go to real art guys to get our artwork done because it wasn't just Take about it. now these dudes would just take a picture, put a filter on it, yeah. put some fake diamonds on their neck, and all like, but. You know, we didn't really, we really put thought and and, 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 and and energy into releasing product. And then we didn't care what people think because it ain't going to, you not liking it ain't going to make me change it. So, you know, Bump, you're making, you're, you're dropping some stuff because, I, <clears throat> quick story. I remember in talking about like those days when we had to go, the process of that as a DJ, we would have to make our mixtape, as you said, get someone to do your artwork for you. Amen. They send it to you, and you take that artwork actually to a printing place and get it printed up however many covers you need of this particular tape, and you personally go around all the boroughs to these, you know, mom and pop stores, uh, check cashing places, and, you know, Jamaica Avenues, 125th, or a hot day store and stuff like that. Brother, I remember getting in beef and trouble with people that would bootleg your stuff or, you know, they sold your this many, you know, tapes and they didn't want to pay you. That was hip hop. 
No, that, not was. That is hip hop, Bumpy. Yeah, the grind, the grind is hip hop. I mean, even right now, the grind is hip hop. It's just another level of it. I'm not saying that. Hey, listen, I used to have to take my records to record stores and sell them to the guy, like consignment. I was like, okay, listen, you sell. They'll take five. You got a box of records, right? They'll take five records. You know, now you got to go to another store and try to get somebody else to take five records. Record stores weren't always up under each other. Jamaica Avenue had a spot. You know, Harlem had their spots. You know what I'm saying? So you had to go driving around and make some moves. And then these records in the trunk, you go down into Philly and up into Connecticut and all these different places where people were starting to move records in, in vinyl places, you know. But you wasn't walking in Tower Records and dropping off no records to nobody. You wasn't consignment. Consignment. Nah, it wasn't happening. They didn't order your shit. They didn't order. But that's the that's the thing. You, when you commit to being independent, it's a real commitment. And knowing how to do that means, you know, you got to not only make the record, but you got to figure out how to package the product and and make it the best you can make it in order to sell it to, to the community. And nowadays online, you could just put shit up. And then what people are not paying attention to is who's not watching. Because what do you mean by that? Know, people are sitting around saying, oh, so and so you follow me and you didn't like my post. So fucking what? And you're like, fuck out of here with that shit. You know what I mean? But who's not watching? You know what I'm saying? How are you putting this out? How are you? Is it, are you being creative with it? Or some people don't even do the proper aspect ratio on their posts. It should be right, all yeah. swollen up. You can't see. You can't see nothing. You know what I mean? Just put a little time into your shit. That shit goes a long, 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 long way. When you put time and effort into making a creative post, there's some really creative people out here. I see it every day. I see it all the time. Music business wise, somewhat, you know. But you know, I, I wish people would get back to individualizing their sound again you know what i mean i'm just this people will tell you they got a banger and it's the same beat that was on the last record it's just a different voice probably talking the same shit but in a different way but they got to be more creative man i i really embrace that you know what i mean and people that are haters don't tell you that they tell you to keep doing what you're doing because they know it's wrong I want to see people be creative and make the culture bigger and better because there's such a great diverse diverse sound and you know, you got Public Enemy, and, and I, we always end up going back to this era because to me it was different. You know, speak uh, on it. Public Enemy didn't sound like Eric B and Rakim, and Eric B and Rakim didn't sound like Slick Rick and Dougie Fresh. Everything was different. Everything had its own unique sound to it. You know, Modi was different from the Cold Crush. You know, they and they these guys were in the parks doing it. So you can't get rid of those days, man. But the, take something from it and know how to use the inspiration. So. You don't. If somebody inspires you, it don't mean take what they do and do it over. It means take that inspiration, incorporate it into build. something that you create originally, yeah. and build on it. You know, but dudes, like I said before, would stand and take credit for being the first to ever do it, and then they probably like the hundred and first to ever do it. So we're gonna actually close actually where we started because you're going there right now. And here is the question that I initially started out with. So, what are your thoughts, Bumpy Knuckles, on independence? Verse being signed today in 2023. Well, I can tell you this: I have no idea what's going on in the label world. So, so I, I'm, 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 if I had to make some sort of a educated guess, I would think that it's just the same shit, just a different, just different players. Because the game don't change, the players change. <laughs> right. you know what I'm so I'm sure 
There's you don't hear you know it's back true. in the days people knew the A and R's like they knew the rappers. I don't know those guys, and I can't say they're not popular because I'm not in that lane. And you don't have no crowd to follow when you're in your own lane. So I don't know what the record. So somebody said, "Yo, would you ever do industry shakedown too?" That was my that was my last question. I said, "I'll close with that." I said, <laughs> "No." I said because if I did, I'd lose a lot of friends because. The only thing I, I have to talk about what I know. When I did Industry Shakedown, I was in the middle of a situation in my life. Everything was right there for me to write about right now. I couldn't tell you who A&R was. I don't care. I, I don't give two shits who they are. I don't know nothing about the motherfuckers. I, I look at what I do, and I see a lot of guys who came through the Industry Shakedown era with me that have actually been hung and beaten and taught their names so now they know their names mm. <laughs> so i'm like yo man That's a bar. I, so I, and, and i love some of these guys in, in, in as, as artists so i'm cool with industry shakedown just go back to the first one and listen to that and hold on to it and then the space i'm in i'm about that i'm about making music that builds i just got a new project i did with daru jones mono neon called the funkin tribe it's spelled P-H-U-N-K-I-N, Funkin, T-R-Y-B-E, Tribe, one word. And it's it's a lot. It's me with a live band, which I always wanted to do, man. And and those two guys did it with me, and and it's it's an amazing piece coming out. It should be dropping actually shortly in in the next. By the time this video is out, it should be out. But, you know, just different stuff. I want to keep adding to the catalog and adding to the – the stuff that I do, man, and making music for people and producing for people. I, you know, I worked with the John Cena WWE thing. I did that. I took hip hop to the platform. I'm sure they might have done it before, but not like that. I was the one that took hip hop to the platform. John's like, yo, let's get it. Let's do an album. I'm with it. Let's rock. Take, everywhere I go, I take hip hop with me. So if, if I did something that wasn't hip hop, I was hip hop in that moment. No, it was still hip hop. It was still hip hop. And, and you know, I want to invite you back, Bump, um, because you you brought up John Cena a few times in in here, and I want to ask you and get your opinion also about writing in hip hop. Um, it's that's been such a, a a topic since the Drake controversy about is it acceptable to have ghostwriters in hip hop, and if not, why not? If it's acceptable in other forms of music, and um. I definitely, when we come back, I want to get your take on that. Yeah, no doubt. I didn't write for John Cena, though. You know? everybody oh, you didn't? Thought, everybody thought I did, but he wrote his own rhymes. Yeah, I didn't write for John. Everybody always said, yo, you wrote John's rhymes. So what was dope is they already associated his verses with something that I would write because, you know, as an art, I, he, he's inspired by what I do. So, you know what I mean? He he um he took what he and I got record with him, me, John Cena, and Talib Kweli that I never put out. That's produced by Odyssey. More held on art. Yeah, classic shit, man. <laughs> and, and the longer I hold it, the more value it has as far as just in my heart. my Like those records, you just don't throw them out there. You know, Talib is an amazing MC, and he he's one of them guys that, yes. you know, he, he, he's, a, he's a hardcore purist when it comes to hip-hop. He, he's about the hip-hop. So I try to work with guys and, and do stuff with people that I, I admire their work. You know, I didn't get everybody that I wanted to work with, but... Hopefully, you know, I, I'm around long enough to, to accomplish that. But, you know, 
this kind of stuff is amazing. Being a kid from from 269 Sheridan Street in Westbury, man, and, 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 and growing up, me and Cap sitting on the back of Victor's porch rapping, on, you know, in the backyard and, 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 and you know, running around corners and, and, and just not even really knowing what hip hop was, man, and just becoming something that's bigger and better than what everybody expected us to be. You well, know? you definitely did see something bump um, in the future from when, when people go in and listen to and read the lyrics to Industry Shakedown, you 100% saw the future. And one day when you eventually do put out the corrupt, the, the corrupt mob radio, the shows that people can actually see on video, uh, mm-hmm. they'll see the same thing. Hey, whoa, this cat did this in what year and, you know, what time period? And that's when the history of, like, hip-hop podcasting starts to get written because, Bump, I know you're inside the history of hip-hop podcasting. These were shows. They weren't just music that was being played. I never wanted to be that guy who I watch a lot of these dudes, man. Everybody's fighting for credit. They're doing shit first and all that. Hey, listen. Fuck whether you did it first. Did you do it good? Did you do it right? Did you do it to the to the satisfaction that you wanted to create it? Because all of that arguing over who started this and who started that, a lot of those bubbles get busted when the truth come out. But I don't really care about that shit, dog. I know I'm glad you acknowledge it, and I'm sure other people will, but. I don't. Um, I know I did it, and I have it as an archive, and I and I, and they will come out. But first, last, I just want people to say, "Yo, I like that shit." Like I still got people to this very day who call themselves mobsters from the Corrupt Mob Radio. And shout out to the Corrupt Mob Motorcycle Club, Queens, New York, and Atlanta. Shout out to Big Beasel, Beasel's in Atlanta with the Corrupt Mob Motorcycle Club, and Big Rocky and Super Mario are in Queens with the club out there and, and I you know I'm one of the founders because I wanted Corrupt Mob to be bigger than that was my brother's thing. My brother Tahim is the reason I did the deal on Industry Shakedown I mean with Landspeed because he was doing Corrupt Mob records. And when he passed, I wanted to make sure that I took that and turned it into something that was that would always be around. You know, this 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 right here is important because it represents more than just whatever I attach it to. You know what I mean? If it's music, right. if it's radio, if it's if it's production company, if it's motorcycle clubs, you know, collectively we're I'm, I'm building a family across, you know, state lines with people who are in the, of the same mind and likeness that fuck with us or fuck with us. You know, we got an anniversary coming up soon. There's a lot going on out here, and people are focusing on things that don't matter. You have to focus on things that matter. Leave yourself a legacy out here of music, art. The stuff that people can go back and say, yo, man, I got a classic underground take. Some of my most valuable things, one of my most valuable things are all those underground parties with the Cold Crush and Melly Mel and all them dudes, Modi and, and, and Lisa Lee and Shaw Rock and all of them rocking in parties. That reminds me so much of me being young, just standing in amazement, watching these DJs like, yo. You know what I mean? Salute Long Island, man. I, that that yeah. was my stomping ground, bro. Amityville, the Ace Center, you know what I'm saying? Wine Dance in the park. You know, you everybody couldn't go in Wine Dance Park and rhyme, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, Westbury, when, when Marv used to throw those reminisce parties, and all park. Those, you know, those things like that, man, you can't, you can't ever forget 
those 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 trails that you had to blaze to get where we are today, man. And and you know your level of success is your level of success. There's a lot of cats that would have never bounced back from being blackballed <laughs> i never right. had to bounce back because i just kept it moving no you're right correct correct bounce you know what uh, you know um i want to end on this and i know we've been seeing this for a quick second yeah. um i just googled it there's 7.8 billion people on the planet earth so for someone to say i'm the first to do this like you know to just to to Double back, double up on what you're saying to put an exclamation mark on it. I'm the first to such and such. The first to, there are 7.8 billion people on the planet Earth. So that's a really big claim to make for someone to say they're the first to do just whatever it is. Like you said, Bump, hey, look, something always comes from somewhere else. Imagine if they all went and bought Industry Shakedown right now. <laughs> That's right, bro. Go and get it. Industry Shakedown. Stream it because this guy produced it. <laughs> and he predicted. Look, look, bump. This is a prediction. The way people look at George Orwell in 1984, the book, and, you know, people, Nostradamus. You look, man. Listen, guys. Listen to Industry Shakedown. This is much more detailed than Industry Rule number four thousand and eighty that being said mr freddie fox bumpy knuckles my brother thanks for coming and hanging out with me and always just uh conversing with me and and breaking it down brother hey we'll do a part two my brother we, we, we can really rap you know what i mean i appreciate you for having me though that i'm glad we did it so am i my brother peace peace bro